You're listening to the Concession Stand Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. From movies and tech to WWE and video games, come let your geek flag fly with your hosts, Nick Howe and Andy Nelson. This is episode number 24. I am your host, Nick Howell. With me as always, the wonderful, the lovely, Mr. Andy Nelson. How are you, sir? Uh, apparently, I'm lovely this week. Uh, well, well, it's Valentine's Day, so I have, to, I have to say that you're awesome and admirable and lovely. Oh, man, it's getting weird. But you know what <laughs> is not weird is the Stone Cold Salute. I said give me a hell yeah. All right, so episode 24, there's this other 24 thing that's happening in the world right now. The new 24 Legacy uh, premiered after the Super Bowl. I watched the first episode. I thought it was kind of cool. I didn't watch the second one, which is on the next night. It's uh, on my Hulu much watch list or whatever. Yes. Um, I still would, and I never watched the original 24 show, and I've heard my brother-in-law just swears by it. Mm-hmm. We bought him like every single season of that on DVD. It's amazing. Right? Um I've always wondered, as a as a non twenty four fan, shouldn't there be during this twenty four hour period like six episodes where Kiefer Sutherland or this new guy just sleeps? So, <laughs> so like so for, for like our our yeah yeah. Damn it! Yeah. <laughs> oh man, episode five was kind of boring. Why? Well, he just slept the whole time. Yeah, well, he has to. Right? Yeah, it turns out episode six, seven, eight, and nine were the same. Who knows? Uh, we had the Super Bowl. We did, and you came over, weekend. and we had uh, delicious food. I went down to Anaheim to pick up some Portillo's Italian beef, which mm. is a Chicago thing. Um, it is a sandwich with beef and gravy, and you can. We put didn't mu- just buy sandwiches, though. You bought like the catering kit. Like, I did. Take I did. home, I did. cook I did. it yourself. It was deli- full on thing. Yeah, it was delicious. My parents were over. My dad's from Chicago, so he got to have an Italian beef sandwich, like legit. Like this is like the real deal. And um, luckily, we live in a. West Coast City that has uh, the ability to go get this stuff. It was real quick. And, of course, I went down there on Saturday before the Super Bowl, took the girls. We had a nice little uh, sandwich and hot dog, and it was great. But, yeah, Super Bowl. What would you think? Uh, honestly, I thought it was one of the best games. From the game perspective, I think it's going to go down as one of the top five all game, all game of all time games. Oh, for sure. Uh, if not even higher than that. But within that top five. Uh, I got to say, though, I was pretty disappointed in the commercials. I was, too. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, this propaganda with all the refugees and we're all one thing. I didn't get to see puppies and Budweiser and horses. I didn't see that commercial. There was the Spuds McKenzie one, which was pretty good. though. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Where, uh, but, where he can't open a beer because he has paws. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my favorite one, though, which we'll talk about in a, in a little bit in the next section, was the the life trailer. Um, that was probably the standout one for me. I mean, we did get to see a bunch of trailers, um, but the I think that one was the standout for me. Other than that, I don't. There were no commercials for me that were like super memorable that yeah. are going to go down as as classics. There were two that stuck out for me. One was the funny one was the uh, Cam Newton playing football with the little kids and like uh, him like knocking people over. Right. That was good. Uh, the other one was the the Hyundai commercial where they had the troops and uh, they, there was uh, they were able to watch the Super Bowl. With their family because they put like a camera in a seat next yes. to their family in the stadium that had like the I don't know whatever the thing they put on top of the Google like cars three sixty camera yeah so like they were able to to watch in three and they walked into like a circular room with like a a, um, a three sixty screen and they were able to as if they were sitting next to their family who was 
you know, home here yep. watching the Super Bowl. They put their family members at the stadium watching, and these uh, troops got to watch as if they were sitting there. Um, on their end, they were inside the 360 room. Yep. They were able to interact with them, kind of like a FaceTime kind of thing. And then on the other side here, they were able to to talk to them. I, I thought that was just a magical thing. Yep. Um, yeah, that was that was my takeaway from the Super Bowl. Uh, yes, it was a great game. It solidifies the fact that Tom Brady, like him or hate him, is the greatest quarterback of all time. Yes. Whether or not they cheated, who knows? I, my favorite thing was the fact that uh, uh, Goodell and, and Brady had to shake hands at the end of that game after all the trouble. That, but that's all sports. Did stuff. they actually shake hands? I think they did. Uh, I do remember I Tom Brady walking off yeah. stage when uh, when Goodell got. But up I think there. he went them to, went to go get his kids to bring him up, and that oh, was really okay, cool. Gotcha. Um, no word on the Tom Brady jersey saga. Have you heard about this? <laughs> yeah, apparently uh, but, it got stolen. <laughs> yes, jersey that he played the game in got stolen out of his bag when he was coming out to get the trophy. Sure, I guess somebody yeah. went in and got it. Huh? Horrible news. Horrible news. I, if it hasn't already, I wouldn't. I, I I think I've seen it. Something about it showing up on eBay already, but I, I fifty thousand dollars or something stupid like that. So there's a funny thing about this greatest comeback that happened in the Super Bowl that there is a chance that Nintendo had something to do with this. Do you remember, like uh, third quarter ish, we finally got that Nintendo Switch commercial where they it wasn't just like about the Switch and everything. It was about the Switch and people playing Zelda on the Switch. Do you remember that? It was it was some kid laying in bed and he reached over and picked it up off of his nightstand. Sure, that's not the point. The point is. Apparently, this ad aired, and when the when they came back from that commercial break is when the Patriots comeback started, and they came back and they scored all those points and then won the game. So there's an there's an article on the internet that says Nintendo essentially switched the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Vegas would not be very happy about that if they found out. But uh, you know, that's that's hilarious. Uh, the timing of it's fantastic. <laughs> it's it's a legit thing. Look it up. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Hey, uh, that's enough about sports, though. Let's talk about some TV and movies. Hey, there's this big thing about, like, Netflix and chill, but I'll tell you what, Netflix is not chilling at all. They are very busy, right? <laughs> yeah, it's so much so that this week we uh, they are taking up, they are capitalizing a great portion of our TV and movies section this week. So, uh, not to mention that they had incredible earnings and their stock has is going through the roof, which uh, the shareholders are very happy about. Uh, there's a ton of stuff to talk about. So first and foremost, speaking of the Super Bowl, we had our first glimpse at, in my opinion, what was the best show of 2016, Stranger Things. We finally got a, a glimpse at what the sequel season was going to be. Uh, would sequel season? Is that what you would call that? Sure. Um, we got a teaser for Stranger Things 2, which isn't going to air until about the Halloween time frame is what they're saying. Perfect timing for that show, right? Absolutely perfect. And uh, some of the things that they showed, the typical stuff, they showed Egos, they showed Eleven with her nose bleeding, they showed the kids dressed up for Halloween as the Ghostbusters, yes. which was a nice touch, yes. riding their bikes with their proton packs on their back. Had a, had a couple of shots that were like reminiscent of E.T., and then they had like looking through a door with the sun coming through, which is like Close Encounters. Yeah, like it's all there. And there was that red smoke, and then you yes. got that... Instant yes, yes. glimpse of the silhouette of some kind of being, yep. monster, alien thing, and yep. just <laughs> uh, very, very excited about this. Those, I, I hope they make those endlessly because that show was fan freaking tastic. Yeah, I can't wait. So there's something you shouldn't wait about though, and that is if you've never seen the Clone Wars cartoon or the animated thing that came out like uh, over the last, I watched a little bit of it when it first came out. But... All right, Netflix is going to apparently drop this show in March, so you've got about a month, six weeks ish to catch up on this show if you've never seen it, and it's not like it's still in production, but you should see it. 
Um, all of this stuff in its official Star Wars canon leads into Rebels, leads into all this stuff. It's the story of in between episodes two and three before Anakin goes bad. Okay. Uh, Darth Maul comes back. You've got Yoda. You've got all kinds of stuff. And it's all good. And it's all on Netflix and it's all free. If you have Netflix, they're 22 minute episodes. It's six seasons. It's actually five seasons. And the sixth season is like the lost episodes. Sure. Uh, you need to get out. And if you haven't seen this, get out and see it and watch it quickly. It, it like, it'll fly by. It, it, they just lead into the next one, lead into the next one, lead into the next one. So it's, if I'm currently watching rebels, should I stop and go watch the clone wars before I finish the rebels stuff? Yes. Absolutely. That, I guess if I was doing it in order, right? Absolutely. Because, uh, because it's going to go away. Rebels is rebels is timely because it comes out each week. Whereas clone wars that in, entire library is there right now you should do it if so you do the timeline thing it's episode one two clone wars cartoon seasons then rebels or episode three yep rebels yep see two seasons yep. they're in their third now yep and then rogue one episode four right correct okay. so get out there and see clone wars it's worth your time it's awesome it's so well done it's like watching a, a super long movie please go watch it yeah it absolutely has moved up to the top of my list uh because i want to make sure i get to see those before they go away you know, one of the things that really bothers me about the user experience in Netflix is that it seems impossible to find anything to watch. I watch one stand-up comedy special, and now my entire UI is just covered up in all yeah. of the stand-up comedy specials. Yep, 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 yep. And I don't know if this is by design, if they're trying to do this, but they keep changing the UI to do all these things. I, I don't feel like I have a queue anymore. Right. Like the original days of Netflix, it was like you had a queue that you managed and you could go to a section where it was just your cue. Right. Now it's like all of these, because you watched this, and yep. it's all these algorithmic type of you know, predictions of what you... Stop! Yeah, and there was this whole, like, there was a... Uh, wasn't there a thing, like, uh, like four or five months ago, where it's like, there's this hidden code yeah. of, like, all... like you hidden can actually, categories. Sure, you could find out, like, if you really wanted to say, like, I want to watch this type of movie, you can't do it in the current interface right. without going through a number of different steps. Well, there's some, co- you know, up, up, down, down, left, right code you can put in, <laughs> I think, to expose them, but uh, they there's... Somebody has made a Chrome extension for the browser, for, for Google Chrome, that shows you all of these categories and then reveals all of the... All you have to do is install the Chrome extension. It's called Netflix Categories, funny enough, right? right. Uh, And then you log in with your information so that it can connect via the APIs to the Netflix stuff, and it'll pull all the categories and all the movies that are part of those categories. And you can literally sift through all of the movies. So if you just want to see Deep Sea Adventure Beast B horror movies, (laughs) right? Which is basically just going to be all the Sharknado movies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you can do that. You can drill down through it, and then you find it, and you can add it to your queue right from there, and then you just go to your queue on your Apple TV, and it's, it's there. Yeah, that's smart. Okay. So that's something that's, that's kind of exciting. It, it sucks, Netflix, if you're listening, which I know you're not. That's fine. But if one day you go back and listen, we told you back <laughs> in 2017 you should have done this. Um, it would be so easy if we could do this within the interface. Uh, but right now you're kind of just throwing a wad of spitballs at my screen and hoping some of it sticks. And, and that's really annoying and it frustrates me. And normally I just back out and go to Hulu and watch something over there. And 75% of those spitballs are Netflix original programming. Uh, well, that I'm okay with because they, they haven't really missed on anything that they've put out, if I'm being honest. so okay. Hey, I like toys and apparently so does Netflix. Uh, they are now getting into some sort of licensing agreement with mm. some of their stuff. So there's a chance like someday you're going to be able to buy like an Orange is the New Black jumpsuit or a Daredevil <laughs> baton. Or a Stranger Thing. Well, it's Ego really easy now waffle. to get an orange jumpsuit. Just go steal a car or something. You can get an orange <laughs> jumpsuit in, a, in, a, in the same day's shipping. <laughs> but I think it's it's kind of interesting though that Netflix now realizes that their properties actually have some sort of like resale value, whether it's yeah. on a Think Geek or whether it's like what at a Hot Topic or whatever. Like these these original properties that they have, 
have licensing and merchandising uh, properties and capabilities. And now they're going to start getting into this stuff. And I think that's super smart. Like we talked about, uh, or no, we didn't talk about, it. I think they were talking about doing like a video game, like a side scroller with like certain characters, their games. Uh, no, they did was, do this. Uh, but that was, it was like, like a Chrome game yeah, or, or something. something like that. But yeah, so they're taking their properties. And they're going to make some more money off of it. Probably for me, probably from you. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, smart move for them to finally get into this, this licensing thing, which I think would make the whole, Disney buying Netflix, if you have a marketing thing and you have a merchandising thing, Disney loves merchandise, maybe that's a thing. My personal opinion, I think Netflix is powerful enough to pull it off themselves without the Disney machine. True. Um, I I like that Netflix is autonomous and they are doing their own thing and they've yep. proven, Reed Hastings has proven that he knows exactly what he's doing uh, by getting into this original content. It, I'm mostly surprised that they haven't jumped on this sooner. I agree. Oh, I haven't made the deals with Mattel and Hasbro and those guys to just go make everything for all of our original content. Let your let your think tank go to town with hoodies and toys sure. and all of that stuff, sure. right? The fact that they haven't done that is kind of scary, wouldn't you agree? <laughs> uh, yes. Speaking of scary. Ah! See what I did there? I see what you did there. They haven't, uh, other than Stranger Things, which is a little scary, They've mm-hmm. it's it's been mostly comedy type of content that they've done, other than and drama stuff. Uh, it was announced this week that they're doing a series based on the popular video game Castlevania. Yes. That is, quote, very R-rated yep. and super violent. Awesome. And will turn vampire movies on their head. Right. So this is not a drama thing. This is like an anime thing that they're doing. They're apparently getting some of the top anime guys to do uh, four. They're doing seasons of the show, but it's like a season is four 30-minute episodes of chapter one of Castlevania. So it follows the Simon Belmont story. Apparently, this is all based on the lore that was introduced in Castlevania 3 okay. from what I read. And I'm not as familiar with the Castlevania lore because I played the original two Konami games. Who gave a shit about lore when you're 10 years old? Exactly. But, I mean, it's still awesome, right? The fact they're doing Castlevania and it's going to be violent. Warren Ellis, a a very good comic book writer who has done really dark stuff, is is behind that. And they're just saying it's, it's violent. They're swearing. There's vampires. Sold. Yeah, I mean, it's coming out in May, and the last thing I'll say about this is this ain't your daddy's Twilight. No, no, uh, no, no. This is going to be the real deal. I'm very excited to see what. And this came out of nowhere. Like it, it had, it, it's coming yeah. out in May. Like I hadn't heard <laughs> anything about this until this <laughs> exactly. week. Exactly. Like, yeah. By the way, uh, we got that thing coming uh, in May. Yeah, you Castlevania fans. Um, there's one more thing uh, regarding uh, tech, which is, I guess, you can get Netflix on your Roku, right? But uh, you can now have to spend more money on your Roku. What is this thing about? Yeah. So this is, has to do with Comcast, and they don't have the best reputation in the industry. Frankly, they might be the lowest rated customer service of any company in the world. Oh, wow. Uh, they are, it's, it, well, I mean, the cable companies traditionally don't have good customer service ratings, even Time Warner in there before sure. they were Charter. Sure. Uh, or Spectrum, I should say. So some news came out this week that Comcast was going to try and copy what DirecTV Now is doing by allowing you to put an app on your set-top box, your Apple TV, your Roku, right, right, whatever, right. and just basically, if you're a subscriber, you can get your full catalog on... Cool. That's great. Fantastic. We need all of them to do that. However, they're going to charge you $10 for the app. Wait, what? You're already paying them 100 dollars more than likely for your cable subscription. Mind you, this is not standalone. You still have to have a cable subscription. Of course. But on top of that, in order to watch it on your Roku, I don't know if it's Apple TV. They just said Roku in the article. They're going to charge you an additional $10 per month to be able to access it Via your set-top box. That's horrible. 
And uh, DirecTV does it for free. Time Warner does it for free. Yeah. Why would they? What are they? What? Who cares? Shut up. Shut up. And give me your money. That's really all it comes down to is you know, they don't care. People are going to pay them. People are going to pay it. It's not a bit. They don't care. If Comcast is your only option, just watch it on your television through your cable box. Yeah. Don't spend an extra $10 just to watch it on your Roku. That's retarded. Uh, I, I don't even know what to what to say. Other than that, you know, they're just trying to keep up with the Joneses. I think DirecTV has been leading the pack in the cable industry for many years now. Uh, even though they're satellite, I still consider them cable. Uh, but at the same time, now that they're pushing ahead with DirecTV now, I can see everybody else falling in line and doing the exact same thing just to keep up as a as a point of competition. So yeah. the fact that they are going to do that and charge you an additional $10 a month, almost as like a lease fee, like they would for a cable modem or a box... Come on, guys. It's just, it's shady. These extra charges for apps, I think, are just going to end up being a way of life. I, I hope not. Oh, you missed that oh, one. Dude, you, you missed did, that one. Well, you missed that one. You it was so good. That, one in and that was so good. Oh, God. He's, guys, he's getting so good at this that I can't even pick up on him when he drops the, drops the leads like that. Uh, so, yes, I mentioned earlier one of my favorite <laughs> uh, things from the Super Bowl was the life trailer. Uh, it's a not the not the Martin Lawrence Eddie Murphy movie life. <laughs> oh, that movie's fantastic. That's my cornbread. Uh, life appears to be uh, the premise is uh, it's Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Ryan Reynolds yep. are the two mains, two leads, and it's set in space on something that looks like the International Space Station, but it's in deep space. They're doing exploration, and they come back and they find this organism. Sounds very familiar yeah. to a universe that I'm very about. And they lock one of the scientists in this quarantine room, and he's in the bay with this organism. No. And it somehow attacks him, and they have the whole moral dilemma of, do we open the seal? Do we open the door to save him? But we can't because he's quarantined. And that whole thing goes on, and then it's... Yeah. Yep. For the rest of the trailer, yep. they just flash and montage and jump cuts and all. Yeah, it's Event Horizon. It's Alien. It's all those things that you like. It's in space and there's ships and there's like wait, it's Portal at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I get now, it. off the back of Passengers, I don't want to get my hopes up because and this is also a Sony movie. Oh fuck. Okay, I don't want to get my hopes up because I'm going to be honest. This was my favorite thing I saw from the Super Bowl. Aside from the game, and aside from Tom Brady winning the fifth ring, but it's—I think this could be a huge film. I'm super geeked out of the influences from Alien. If you look at the trailer, you can very much see the just the music and the tone and the mood, everything. The coloring is—it looks a lot like Alien and all of those things that Ridley Scott did. So I'm very excited about Life. If you haven't seen it, I'll definitely put links in the show notes for you guys. Uh, but go check that trailer out. It looks fantastic. It says something about a Memorial Day release, except in the Apple TV thing, it said it was March 21st. So I was a little confused by that. But in the trailer itself, it says Memorial Day. Here's the thing. That movie's coming out of Memorial Day. There's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. out of Memorial Day as well that it's competing with. So it's either going to be successful or it's going to be a massive failure because it's going to get buried by something else. What else is coming out Memorial Day? That was the Pirates movie was the big one for Memorial Day. Maybe a Fast and Family I think Gar- thing. Guardians maybe I think is Memorial Day. Yeah, that's or right. Something like that. One, yeah. But there's a movie every week. We talked about that a couple of shows ago. So, Life. Go check it out. Check out the trailer. And there's another thing about Life that began forever ago, which will lead us to our first story in tech. All right, so I saw this article uh, yesterday or two days ago that said that they found a fossil that has some sort of, like, thing that is 470 million years old. (laughs) 470 million years old, dude. 
it, it was a crustacean from the Paleolithic era. <laughs> yes. And it, and it, and about that time, it said I needed about three fifty. Yes, and they found it in Morocco, which apparently three fifty goes very far there. I well, think. that's where the Loch Ness monster is. <laughs> exactly. Damn it, monster. Exactly. Uh, you told me, and I agree with you. Speaking along of life and aliens, this thing actually looks like a facehugger. Yes. Think, please put a link in the show notes on this one. I'm going to put the whole picture because I, I might even post this to the Facebook page because I swear this thing looks. It reminded me of you remember in Alien when Ash was examining the yes, yes. and even Bishop did it in Aliens yep. where they had it pinned out and he was doing the autopsy like on dissecting it, dissecting a frog. That's yeah. what it looked yeah. like in the stone in the fossil. And I was just going, oh my! It was the, it popped into my head immediately as soon as I saw the picture. And that's just because I'm a big aliens geek. But I'm just, uh, you guys will see it too if you're aliens geeks. It looks amazing. Yeah, it kind of looks like a horseshoe crab as well in some weird way. Yep. Um, but I, yeah, just you guys check it out for yourselves. But this is awesome. Uh, five hundred million years old, give or take thirty million years, but still, <laughs> but still. <laughs> Well, you, you were rounding at that point, right? And how do they determine that, by the way? Like they just uh, say, carbon, carbon dating. I, yes, carbon yeah. dating, but they're like, oh, it's not 470 million, 200,000. It's 470, like 200,000 years. I'm sure there's an like, exact We've number. been around for like what? <laughs> like we're in, ni- we're in 2017, 30? right? So yeah. I'm just like, take the math of that. It's like how old this thing is, is, yeah. is ridiculous. Well, hey, speaking of ridiculous, um, <laughs> Look, do you own a Vizio TV? No, but I've I've actually really considered them. Me too. They they Best Buy had deals on them for the last five to ten years that were huge. They kind of took over the yeah. discount uh, LCD LED marketplace. And they're quality TVs. They yeah. make good sets. They're 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 pretty good. Well, they're in trouble this week. <laughs> They've been in trouble for for some time in a class action lawsuit. Well, that got settled this week. Um, here's the backstory. So Vizio. Uh, all of their TVs had kind of the smart TV functionality yeah, yeah, yeah. in it, right? So you had the Netflix and Hulu and Voodoo and all of those other services sure, built in. Sure. On top of that, whatever uh, cable or over-the-air programming was was leveraged as well. So all of these viewing habits, I'm doing air quotes, uh, will were tracked. They were logged and they were shipped back to Vizio. Interesting. Of every single user of a Vizio TV. Mm-hmm. And those statistics and viewing habits were tied to an IP address. Uh-oh. Basically, your street address on the internet is what that is. So you can identify the individual or individuals that were viewing that content and when and how old they were and demographics and all of that so male, female, race, all of that stuff. How would they know the male, female, and like how old you because were? Because you know who because of census information. Ah, okay. All of that stuff you can you can Fair enough. It knows okay, got it. Database it all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and then they were selling it all that information off to third parties mm. without without you turning on your TV and it asking you with no terms of service agreement right. with no uh, privacy nothing. settings yeah no, not even knowing that you were doing that right uh, yeah they're now paying over two million dollars in a class action settlement for all users that were affected by this now that's not a exorbitant sum of money uh, for a, a tech company like that but I think the point is clear that they're that's a good slap on the wrist. Yeah. Right? Yeah, uh uh-uh. We don't do that. Nobody yeah. else does that. That we know at least that we know of yet. Vizio, more like bad Vizio. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh god. Okay. Oh man. Well, I, don't, I, along. I don't know why you had me on this show. Because you're awesome. Oh, thanks. Right? Remember, this is the week of ad- that's right, of that's adoration right. and that's love. Right. Yep, yep, and, okay. yep, 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 yep. Got it. Uh, speaking of love, TechCrunch had their 10th annual Crunchies Awards. Crunchies! Now, as an entertainment geek, you may not have heard of these before. 
It sounds like a cereal. It's <laughs> all new. <laughs> what is, brought to you by Kellogg's. All new crunches. Yeah. I'm still kind of doing the the chef's dad voice for yeah. some reason. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we'll keep doing that. Uh, Tech, Tech Crunch had their 10th annual Crunchies Award this week. And uh, basically, you may not have heard of these before. It's mostly around the tech startup scene, but sometimes they also reach into like consumer tech and stuff like that. So, a couple of the ones that I wanted to call out that stood out this year: uh, Pokemon Go won best app. Shocker of all apps, all apps. Uh, this is all apps <laughs> for mobile devices. That's weird, but okay. Pokemon Go wins. I get successful, but best app really? What do you think of that? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm not even going to say what I think about that. Okay. Uh, it, it made a bajillion dollars. It literally, literally made a billion dollars in less than a year. Yeah, they had to create a new number for how much money it made. It was <laughs> bajillion. 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 Uh, Snapchat also won two things, best hardware and best startup video, which is a fun competition they have for to introduce a piece of a product, right? And best app that neither of us use. Right. Snapchat Spectacles won best hardware and best startup video for the Crunchies. So I've... That's all I got to say about that. Uh, congratulations, Snapchat. I don't use your stuff. They're talking about how they're going to be the next big media empire and all this, making TV shows out of 10-second Snapchat streams. Uh, whatever. I, 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 that's kind of my point on it. If you're a user of Snapchat, I welcome you to try and sell me on the value of, of Snapchat. I I don't see it. I don't get it at all. You know what a box of crunchies would cost you? I'd say about three for day. $3.50. fit it. <laughs> This is going to be a running theme for the show. I can see it already. Uh, YouTube, finally, after Twitter bought Periscope, and right. after Facebook introduced Facebook Live, the video mammoth of the internet, YouTube, finally is going to start doing live broadcasting from their mobile app. Ah, And uh, I've, it's funny to me that this is complete role reversal. It took a startup and a big social media company to beat them to the punch, and... And then uh, now they're going to be able to do it. I would have expected it the other way around. I would have expected YouTube to kind of uh, spearhead this in a way. Oh, as far as as far as be in front of like the yeah. broadcasting live thing. Yeah. Well, they broadcast live, but you're saying broadcast live from the app, the Facebook Live thing. It's so like you know Facebook the, Live. And, yeah, and it's that their stuff. answer. YouTube yeah. Live, right? Okay. Yeah. And but there's a catch, right? Don't you have to be like a certain like like number of subscribers to be able to do this? It's not like anybody can do it. Only initially. So the initial rollout is going to be to only their what they call their power users or people that have more than ten thousand subscribers. So PewDiePie. Well, he's got fifty million. Oh, so he can do it. He's 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 well above board. But I mean, there's millions of YouTubers that have more than ten thousand subscribers, right? Uh, the other part of this that's coming out is um, something called Super Chat, which has been introduced. Super Chat. All Super right, Chat is... So if you, you've watched Twitch streams before, right? Yep, yep. You've got the crazy scrolling yes. million mile an hour chat thing sure. that's going on on the right. Well, because that goes so fast, uh, Twitch has a thing where if you give a certain amount of credits or their currency, whatever it is, which Money. translates into monies, yep. um, you can sticky a comment or a chat message to the top for X period of time, X number of minutes, whatever. Uh, they're introducing Super Chat, which is kind of just copying Twitch uh, to be able to pay money or credits towards sticking a comment. Here's the thing. I think the more and more we get into these live uh, broadcasts, these live things, I could certainly see this show being done live on YouTube one day. Yeah. Uh, for, you know, they just stick a camera in front of us and we do the exact same thing that we're doing right now. Yeah. Um, but we have a comment section, a stream. We can inter interact with the customer or interact with the, the community. The customers. The customers. 
Uh, can you tell I've been in sales and marketing for most of my career? No. But the super chat thing is the ability again to sticky a thing, and what they what they have in there is five hours is worth five hundred dollars. What? So you could sticky a comment, and here's the thing: this is 21st century advertising, right? I can see a totally see a corporation or a brand come in and sticky something up there for a day and pay them ten grand or whatever that amount would be to have that their message up there, their link to their new product or their website or their thing or whatever it is. But is it only the top line? Because then like, what if a bunch of people like do that and they start stacking up and then uh, nobody can get a chat line in? Good question. So they queue up apparently in order or the YouTuber has the ability to manually move them around, shuffle around the queue and all that stuff. So gotcha. it's it's definitely a pay-to-play kind of scenario in, in that sense. But it, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. But what does that say for the things like static websites, written content, blog-based advertising, all of the sites that we read today? If we're moving to this live video kind of world, are we going to stop seeing investment in the ad space uh, on that side, start seeing more people coming over here? Could get really interesting, especially as YouTubers, streamers, all of these guys begin to take over the world um, with more modern kind of content. So mm. it could be interesting. Hey, you know what else is interesting? Apple decided to hire the guy that created the Fire TV stick. Yep. Right? Yep. Why is that, I wonder? Well, it wasn't just the Fire TV stick. He also was... worked for Netflix, I think, too. This guy, Timothy Twerdall. Twerdall or Twerdall. I'm Twer- not really sure how to pronounce his last name. But, uh, yeah, he's a big ex- executive in the kind of in this SVO, SVOD kind of community. Um, he came up with the concept for Fire TV. Yep. Um, a, he was one of the guys that pioneered doing the stick, which was basically putting the exact same thing on what looks like a USB stick. Yeah. If you have a Fire TV stick. Uh, he now is working for Apple, and he is going to be leading their whole kind of content division, right? And uh, the Apple TV division of, of that whole thing. There was a guy that's kind of been filling in, yep, uh, from the licensing department that works with um, Eddie Q, yeah, who does a lot of the Apple Music licensing and all that stuff. Um, but the he's so he's now going to go and and uh, Timothy Twerdall is uh, now going to be taking over all of the creative stuff around Apple TV. We talked last week about how Apple has like a video thing that they're working on. They're yes. working on shows and they bought Carpool Karaoke and like they're getting into like the original programming thing. But Apple is not they've come out and said they're not going to have a separate like subscribe to Apple Flix, right? Yeah. It's going to just be <laughs> like it's just going to be a part of their uh, nine ninety nine a month music subscription. So you're going to get the Apple Music thing, and on top of that, you're going to be able to get all of this original program that they have too. So it's not going to be two separate things. So I think what they're doing is they're trying to directly compete with the Amazon Instant Video, the Netflix subscriber, and they're keeping that price point. If it's at nine ninety nine, that's about what Netflix is. It's yeah. about what Hulu is, and they're going to have all of their stuff in addition to all the music. So it's almost like Apple Prime in a way, right? Absolutely. So look at what's the difference between uh, Amazon Prime and Netflix. It's about the same price. If you think, oh, no, it's not. What's what's the difference? You can get music on Amazon. Yes, you're right. You can't get music on Netflix, right? You can't get music on Hulu. So I'm going to throw you a curveball here. It would, and Apple is now having Apple Music do original video. So now we've got Amazon and Apple is going to do both music and video. And right. I would not be surprised if we saw Netflix do some kind of. Spotify oh, or Pandora okay, acquisition okay. to bring music in to the Netflix paradigm. I think that all of that's going to be really interesting. I think we're going to see a full rebrand happen uh, on Apple's side to go away from Apple Music to be Apple 
something. Apple stuff. Apple stuffs. And they'll <laughs> yeah. come up with some weird Apple name with a missing vowel at the end of it to <laughs> somehow hipster brand it. Yeah. But no, I, I think this is totally to compete with Amazon to have both a music and a video uh, stream content service. And with all of the popularity of original content that Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon have all jumped on the big train of and are now winning awards for, it would not surprise me if, if Apple does this exact same thing. So more on this as, as it evolves, but I think we're just now scratching the surface of this. But it's very exciting to hear that it's still only going to be nine ninety nine a month for basically net new content uh, above and beyond music. You're yeah. going to get all this original video content for the same subscription. That might make me actually pay the $10 a month to join Apple Music. I agree with you. The whole thing just seems like one big game to me. All right, so we got a little bit of a uh, sneak hint leak thing, if you want to call it that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Take-Two uh, Interactive, who is the big distribution house for a lot of video games, uh, especially the bigger um, Rockstar games like Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption, they said in their earnings call this week that they were not going to report the numbers for Red Dead Redemption 2 until fiscal year 28. They were gonna, those numbers were going to show up on fiscal 2018. All right. This is where this is important. So if we twist and turn what that means, basically their fiscal year runs from October to September. So that means that uh, we're not going to see that game launch until at least October of 2017, right? Yeah, which, we, can, which, we, which we figure is going to happen for the holidays. It's the big holidays. month yeah. for the launches and of the holiday games. Uh, but I could see it also being a February, March 18 uh, kind of release as well. I think we're going to hear more and more about this as we go throughout the year. I think we're going to get more trailers, and I think we're especially going to hear a lot about it at E3 this year in June. Oh, I wish I could go to that. It turns out we can. Oh, what? Announced this week for the first time ever, E3 is going to be open to the public. What? I'm going to put a big fat asterisk on the end of this because okay. they're going to. Ha- I think what happened is is they've had less people show up to these conferences, or they've had a surplus of seats available. Uh, when they've typically just restricted it to pundits and press and bloggers and stuff. So I think, <laughs> yes, it's going to be open to the public, but you're only going to get the dirty leavings, the leftovers of those empty seats. Maybe there will be 150, maybe 300 seats, and they'll be gone in a minute. Sure. Uh, I'll be sitting here hitting refresh on the keyboard and probably won't get a – it won't be available. It'll be like trying to buy an NES Classic off Amazon the night it was released. Oh. Uh, so, I, you know, yeah, I'm going to sign up for it. Yeah, I'm going to go. Even if, even if I'm not here for whatever reason, I did, it's a lifelong bucket list dream to go to E3 and sit in those seats and, and watch some of the new games get announced and all that stuff. And it's here. We don't even have to pay for travel. Right. It's absolutely right here at the convention center, right? Yep. yep. So looking forward to that. Uh, I'm going to keep a very close eye on when those go on sale. And if for some reason I don't get a seat, I'm going to try and get us signed up for press passes. More on that. Stay tuned. Uh, remember, remember when I we did that episode where it was uh, we didn't have enough room in our hard drive on the PS4. Remember that? Remember? Yeah, remember, I remember? Remember? And like, uh, and then recently I've gone back in with my PlayStation and I've put a larger. Like, mine came with a 500 gig hard drive. I got one of the first. We ones, all did. Yep. Right. And then I went in and put in a two terabyte hard drive, mm-hmm. like a physical hard drive, into my uh, system because. There wasn't external hard drive support like there is in the Xbox. Oh, but there is now. Oh, what? There is. You're right. So apparently in the new PlayStation update, which is going to change a bunch of stuff, I think it's coming out potentially in April, uh, you will now be able to plug in a USB hard drive into the USB ports on a PlayStation to give yourself that much more space in addition to the hard drive that's already in it. Yeah. So, so the, the thing to know about this is that all of your save games and all of your direct save content is still going to go on the local drive. But your installs and things like that are still going to go are going to go to the external drive, 
Uh, that kind of bothers me a little bit because those speeds can be hit or miss sometimes. It is USB 3. So at this point, I mean, that's 10 years old almost, right? Yeah. So I'm wondering if, eh, is it going to be fast enough to access it? Uh, local SAS interfaces that are within the PlayStation are a little bit faster than, you know, the six gigabit you can get off of a USB drive. I will say right now that uh, I have a two terabyte hard drive external on my Xbox One yep. and another one terabyte ex- uh, external on my Xbox One. So I have an additional three terabytes of storage and it reads and does stuff perfectly from there does it do it better than the disc i think? can't i can't i can't say that it does oh, but, but you still buy discs yeah, i do you, you i do know. i do but i mean like it's not like it slows down like when i'm playing the game it's not like it's chugging along right i play rainbow six on it I'm just i'm just looking at you like I a know, smug kind of mm. yeah, you still you still buy discs i oh, do God. i still buy discs at a place called gamestop which may be in a bit of trouble uh-oh. right now uh-oh uh we <laughs> we have not been nice to gamestop for the last six weeks Neither uh, has Kotaku, apparently, in this article. <laughs> they wrote several articles this week about GameStop. So, look, here's what happened. Uh, you guys have been listening. You know that we talk about GameStop a lot. Uh, this week, it came out that uh, several employees contacted Kotaku anonymously, or they put a, a thing out there, hey, contact us. Contact us and uh, hundreds responded. Hundreds of employees, former and current, uh, responded to this call. And it was people writing in basically saying, yes, all of this stuff is true. We're terrified over our jobs. They're turning us into used car salesmen, telling us that we'll get you know, borderline punished if we sell new stuff. They want us to be used car salesmen and sell all of this used stuff because that's where our margins are. It's called their circle of life, sort of like yeah. I want to uh, like their program or whatever it is. So for like an employee, like if you went into GameStop, like I really want to buy a Guitar Hero. I'm like, well, you should really buy a used copy of Guitar Hero because it's like it's cheaper. And it's $5 like, oh, less. Yeah, it's $5 less. Here's the thing. When you buy a used copy of a game, GameStop makes all the money. If you buy a new copy of a game, oh, GameStop makes yeah, they make some of the money. So Apparently, there's all kinds of like pressure, and there's all kinds of like quotas that these guys have to meet. This is all speculation to an article, and GameStop, of course, has come out and so like, well, you don't think that, but, 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 whatever. So, um, I still go to GameStop. I'm going to go to GameStop this weekend. Apparently, the Guitar Hero bundle is two guitars for 50 bucks instead of like 200. My kid likes Guitar Hero, so we're going to get that. I'll give you your Guitar Hero back. Yeah, I'll play it with her. Sure. Um, but uh, so that's a thing. So GameStop again is grasping at straws to try and stay relevant. If this if if this stuff is true, right? And I wouldn't doubt that it is. Agreed. Um, that with uh, that many sources. Yeah, and and so there you go. I mean, it's all about like 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 it's just trying to make money off of of stuff that's already been given back to them. Um, there is another company that's trying to make a bit of money, but also trying to share their money within the fans of the games that play their games. Yeah, you guys know my affection for Blizzard. Uh, Blizzard has finally, finally given us WoW tokens, uh, or what we call Blizzard tokens. Uh, and the pre- quick premise behind this is that you can use in-game gold from World of Warcraft to buy WoW tokens on the auction house in-game. That token can then be turned in for either a month worth of game time on Warcraft of World of Warcraft instead of paying your fifteen dollar a month okay. subscri- subscription, okay. or you can use that towards the Blizzard store, which can be used for a myriad of things. You can buy loot boxes in Overwatch. You can buy characters in Heroes of the Storm. You can buy card packs for Hearthstone. So anything that you can buy in-game pets for World of Warcraft. Special other specialized stuff, so that credit can be used towards anything in the Blizzard store. I think this is fantastic. We look, we were just trying to use our in-game gold for game time ten years ago. Okay. This, this has been a this, a thing for that long. 
now that they've got this entire empire of and catalog of games with all of these other type of side things going on, it, it makes perfect sense for them. They're going to make a fortune off well, of this. There's something that, like I think the other gaming companies could take out of this. So like, let's say you're playing like Madden, right? Mm-hmm. And you buy a bunch of the card packs to get the ultimate players or sure. whatever. What if you could then have that like Madden account and then take your NHL players or your FIFA players or your whatever like there's 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 a there's there's something here that that could be video game companies sharing their wealth so to speak amongst their library of games within the console slash pc market there, i think there's something there right yeah there's well there's something that blizzard has always done very well and it's it's bringing and they, they this really started with heroes of the storm i would say really grant gained prominence is that their their ability to move between their games and it it helps keeps those games exciting and relevant because yeah. it's familiar. Right. So all of those characters from Diablo and Starcraft and all of those are in Heroes of the Storm. And if you do a certain thing in Heroes, you get a if you buy the collector's edition of Heroes, you get this special in-game pet in Warcraft and this special card back in Hearthstone. So they're what they've done is create this entire ecosystem across all of their games that is just awesome and fun and relevant. So they're trying to bring uh, fans of their games together, right? Yes. And that's really what we kind of want to talk about tonight. Yes. So before this whole video game thing happened, before there were video games for me and for you, we grew up in a time where there was, yes, there was Atari and yes, there was Nintendo, but there were times when we sat around a table and we played a board game. Yep. Right? Yep. Remember those? You I know absolutely those do. Maybe? Family nights and you know pizza and, and beer or soda for us, and it was a treat, and we'd pay, play Monopoly or... Candyland or life was probably there's that word again. Huh. Uh, we've <laughs> talked a lot about life in this episode. Uh, no, but those all those popular board games, um, uh, Mattel, uh, those guys, was uh, it Mattel? Milton, Milton Bradley and Milton Parker Bradley. Brothers yeah, and yeah. all those companies. But tonight we want to get into just talking about like the idea of board games and where board games have gone, where they're going, what they are now, what they've become as far as in the digital age. Um, it was, like you said, it was kind of like a social thing. Like, I grew up, like, my brother and I played board games all the time. That's what we played. Like, before Nintendo, like between Atari and Nintendo, let's say from, like, 81 to, like, 87 or so, Ryan and I would play uh, Monopoly. Or yeah. we would play, like, there were just multiple games. We had, like, a Superpowers Batman game. We had a Dukes of Hazard board game. We had, we had a stack of board games in our house. And, like, we would just figure out what board game we were going to play. That was, like, a game. And it was all about rolling dice, moving tokens, blah, 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 right? That was gaming before there was gaming right yep totally what about you all of the same well i didn't play the dukes of hazard games i'm a little jealous that that i didn't know about that one i kind of want to go find that now i think the thing that you really hit on here though is that this is this was a social thing it brought people together it required you to travel you had to plan it people brought food it was a it was a social but as a a kid or as families like yeah sure without drawing that distinction i mean there was there was this whole notion that people got together yeah and like even in college even when video games existed before online gaming like i was playing um i was playing monopoly or risk or axis and allies or all those other like there were fireball island like we had like board games that we would just sit down and play and like you know you'd have a couple beers with your friends or with sodas if you weren't that age yet and that was what you would do yeah i mean and there was there's even a distinction between board games that we've been talking about traditionally and like card games true you know so uh solitaire yeah 
poker, blackjack, all of those different uh, things. In the Midwest, we played a game called euchre, which is a huh. which is a which is a, a card game with four people. We used to have euchre tournaments, and this was like in high school <laughs> and like outside of college. And um, there was uh, gin- we played one called asshole. In sure, college. Yeah, I remember that. That yeah. was a drinking game. But oh, drinking yeah. game again, a drinking game. Whether it was, it was still with cards. Like uh, these and are the, social. Yes, right? social elements. Big it time. was it was about you sitting around with a bunch of people and playing a game. And yep. usually they're based around a deck of fifty two playing cards. Or uh, some sort of dice and moving tokens around, right? Yep. And and those games pretty much a common thread through yes. all gaming, isn't and it? and that's historically like you know cowboys and we're playing with cards and dice and all that sort of stuff back yep. in the day. Old game called Pharaoh that I was looking up earlier. If you if you guys yep. have seen the movie Tombstone, Wyatt yep. Earp comes into the bar and says, "I want ten percent of the Pharaoh game or something like that." I, that's a goes all the way back to the fifteenth century, if I remember right. And then there's been some sort of like evolution into what we're at now, where many of those games that we used to play around a table have now turned into a digital version, so to speak. Well, so, hang on. Uh, as okay. geek, I would be remiss if we didn't mention the likes of you know the more competitive board games like the Risks, yeah. Stratego. Yep. You could even throw some Dungeons and Dragons in there if you want to, even yeah, though it's, it's a dice game, dice, not really yeah. a board game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's inspirations there. Uh, you know, not just the family fun classics. There's also the kind of more competitive side of that world. So yeah, as you were saying, a lot of this has become digital as we've grown up with video games. Um, this interesting thing has happened where all of the games that we've loved have bec- have evolved into digital platforms. But there's something interesting that's happened there. What's that? It's where we stopped planning and gathering and doing all this stuff it's just in person impulse. in person in person yeah right so yeah. like you can play scrabble right now with your friends but you got to play words with friends online on your phone right there is not sitting down you know and actually having social interaction outside of like a chat thing like good good play good word yeah. you know it's not like Haha, i remember that one like as you're playing a game nowadays it's like lol you suck like poker, like poker nights, like poker nights that, that dads used to do. And like we used to do like poker nights don't yeah. exist anymore. Really? They do sometimes, you know, but there's the whole like online poker thing. Oh, yeah. There's Texas Hold'em at like BW threes on like the little touch screen thing. Right. And Not even that you've got entire empires of full tilt poker. But that's and, what I'm saying. World there's series but there's of poker. something about sitting around a table with a bunch of guys and like looking at tells yeah. and like trying to figure out like, you know, like what they're going to do. And that guy bluffs all the time. So he's like, you could never know that when you're playing online. Absolutely. Right. Now, but they've also got Monopoly online. They've also got Yahtzee online. They've also got Trivial Pursuit online. They've also got uh, Battleship online. All of these games are online, uh, whether or not they're on your phone, they're on like your 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 console. And I'll tell you right now, Monopoly on the console is super fun. Like it's like a, it, you you just roll and like you see the boards move and everything comes to life, and it's really cool. Um, as a father, I've tried to. Um, make sure that I still show my kids like the actual board game and like rolling a dice and counting and moving a token around. We play Battleship. We play like Junior Monopoly. We play Junior Clue. There's something to be said about all of that, but uh, that's people like us that actually have that memory doing that. But come, you know, 15 years from now, when those kids have kids, I think that whole board game thing could go away. And that's kind of scares me in a way. Well, going back to that, I think there's, there's a, something we take for granted with monopoly. It teaches you money. Yeah. It teaches you, uh, currency denominations. Good point. Uh, it teaches you counting and math strategy, taking risks, taking a risk. Do you buy a property? Do you mortgage it? Do you yeah. put houses up all decision making and strategic thinking and problem solving Strategery. strategies. 
So uh, there's something in there as well that I think, you know, does that translate to the digital game as much? Maybe. You could argue that it does to an extent because the same rules apply, but you're not sitting across, like we're not sitting across from each other. We can't barter. We can only do what's confined within the digital game. Yeah, right? like I can't be like, hey, I'll, you know what, Nick, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you like this property and this property, but uh, hey, Ryan, if you need to this thing, like if I make this deal, you can do this thing. Oh, three-way you can't, trades. You can't yeah. really do that online unless you're, yeah. uh, like, unless you're playing like in a party headset or something like that. There's something there's I get. Okay. It's not to say that the board game is technically gone. There's still a subculture of like, I know guys that sit down and like play some of these newer modern board games, like a, like a uh, uh, Munchkin or X-Wing miniatures. Yeah. There's all, there's still tabletop Magic's games. Magic's a gathering. Yeah. But that's more, stone, sure. That's like guys, a card yeah. thing. And, but again, back to cards, it's, it's sort of like a dying thing. And it, it well, Speaking of cards, okay, so I'm a parent, right? So I get into like game nights with other parents. That's not the other parents and us sitting around playing Monopoly. It's Cards Against Humanity. It's apples to apples. It's, it's evolved. Oh, it's come yeah. off, come full circle. We're right. gathering again. Yeah, kind of, but like that's, but it's it's not like the mainstream thing. Like I'm talking about like teenagers and young adults. Yeah, yeah. They don't get down or they don't sit down and like play games like we used to play. Yeah. It's all online. It's all just, it's all antisocial, I hate to say. <laughs> right? Well, it's it's interesting we got to the digital stuff because some of the mo- more the, the games that I spend probably outside of Overwatch currently and Destiny of the last year, uh, the games I spend the most time playing are Solitaire on my phone, the various versions, Klondike and Spider and yep, yep. Uh, all of those and Pyramid. And then uh, I've recently I've started I went and grabbed they had a sale on the PS store play, PlayStation store and I went and grabbed Monopoly for like five bucks. Like I was just telling you about right? right like the like the board comes alive and all that stuff right it yeah it comes alive and you've got it's got a full online community you yep. can queue into a game with completely random people and start it's got a trading interface so there's this whole online ecosystem that is trying to do some of those things which is good but it still takes away from the whole like just you playing with people and the funny thing is you could be playing with people that are like that you know like you and I could play Monopoly online right now yep but shouldn't we be sitting down and playing and have a couple beers not and joking if around? we were on opposite sides of the country not if we were on opposite ends of the world i mean it, Agreed. It, there's pros Agreed. and cons to Agreed. both Agreed. sure so i think the whole idea here is that digital board games are kind of becoming popular and like i was saying we're even playing monopoly um you know i'm wondering i wanted to speculate on here and i kind of want your opinion and the listener's opinion on this uh, are parents getting tired of the kill 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 gun 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 Call of Duty esque type of games because there seem to be flooding everything. Yeah, and are they falling back? Is the rise in digital board games maybe due to the fact that these are a safer alternative? They're a little bit cheaper as well. They're not sixty dollars or eighty or ninety dollars for a pack. Yeah, it's usually like fifteen or like twenty, ten right? or twenty dollars. Yeah. Uh, you can play with multiple people in your family, local or online. Yeah, there's kind of a safe, wholesome element to to board games. Yeah. Right? So those are some things I wanted to bring up. You're not going to get any violence I, I mean, and think, swearing and all that spot stuff. spot on with this. And, and I think, you know, as a parent, I will tell you that's a, a really good point you bring up that I didn't think about. But, yeah. yeah, that could be one of the reasons why. But I've gone out, like I said, and bought physical board games. Like, okay, electronic talking battleship. Sure. That game was awesome, right? Yeah. <laughs> it makes all the noises. I had to get that for my kid for 10 bucks. I'm like, oh, let's play that. Yeah, but, I mean, you can't load into a game of Monopoly on PlayStation and send somebody a message that just says, LOL, you suck. Yeah, but yeah. you would have never have done that at the table, right? You never would have said that at the table. Maybe. But in an antisocial environment, on an online environment, you would do that because you're 
you, you don't have to you don't have to answer to it. You know what I mean? There, the, that's a whole nother conversation. But um, I've seen some table flipping happen at Monopoly. Oh, games. I've seen table flipping happen. Our friend Brad flipped the table at Trivial Pursuit once. <laughs> I've, I've seen it happen. I've no, seen those it games happen. can get extreme. Look, it's as simple as us sitting around and playing like we talked about, but the games themselves are what brings people together. Whether it's online, whether it's in person, these are games that are just timeless and stand the test of forever. Monopoly will be a monopoly. Cards, playing any sort of playing card game or any sort of game where you roll dice and do something is just going to be a game that we all gonna are all going to play. And it's important to me, it's important to you to make sure that those games keep moving forward, right? Absolutely. And I, and I think in an interesting way, this whole whole thing has come full circle. We've now got games like Cards Against Humanity, the Oatmeal put out there, Exploding yep. Kittens games. Yep. Yep. Uh, you said Apples versus Apples earlier. Yep. I yep. had never even heard of that one. Yep. You hadn't heard of the Dental Dam game where you put what the is ma- that? You put some kind of crazy mouthpiece in that the dentist used to hold your lips away from That's your mouth. And it's nuts. It, yeah, and you try to say words without touching. <laughs> it's hilarious. I, I'll send you a video from YouTube uh, just to show you an example. But it's it's. People drool all over themselves, and it's 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 like playing charades where you can't get words out. But the point, go back to the point. Uh, people are gathering again, but yeah. they're playing completely different games. So it's like all the classic board games outside of the competitive people that are still playing D and D, Stratego, and Risk in person at the little kind of boutique game stores. Yep, those happen, right? Um, I think people are playing a whole new generation of card games in person. Uh, Cards Against Humanity is arguably the biggest of those. And uh, I'm excited to see where this goes because that was one thing that I definitely do miss. As much as I love playing video games, my favorite part of playing video games is the social element of it. Absolutely. It is one of the reasons I play certain games. Even though I don't like them that much, I play them because I get to hang out with all my buddies that maybe don't live here or that I don't get to see very often, right? So it's not about the game. It's about the social element. I, I think that's the draw to some of these social games. And I'd, I love that we're seeing a resurgence uh, of some of these games come back. And I think that's excited. why we were excited to talk about that tonight. And I'll tell you what, uh, we kind of want to hear from you guys. What board games do you remember? What board games do you even still play? We just want to know what you guys think about the whole board game thing. And if it's if it's still a thing, if it's still relevant, we really want to know. So I'm flipping the switch on you tonight, so to speak. And Ooh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the fun stuff in the, sec- in the lightning round section. All right. Monopoly is doing for the I don't know how many time they're they usually go through this thing where they replace a token oh, okay. with another token. Yep, yep, yep. So we're doing that again. They're going to announce it in March, and they right. have about a hundred candidates of different tokens. That like, so what would be the shoe or the car or the dog or the right. whatever? The right? Hat. Yep. The, you know. Yeah. Uh, so the ones that are up, some of the notable ones that are up to be replaced is the hashtag. What? They're going to have a hashtag. Dumb. It's a pound sign. Okay. It's not a I know what it is, but yeah. So, speaking of Monopoly, that will lead us to our lightning round. All right. Now, we're going to do this in a very special way. Okay. What do you got? Since we're talking so much about Monopoly, Monopoly. and you and I both love Monopoly and know it up and down, we're going to go around the board, starting at Go... Oh, and we're gonna name the properties. Wow! All right, okay, and and then for for those of you listening, okay, if we're doing, I'm not, we're not gonna cheat. We're no, gonna try. I'm and not looking out. at a board. Okay, so the first ones are two light blues, right? Or nope. purple, purple-ish. It's Baltic and Mediterranean, right? Yeah, or they're the browns, two. but those are the first two. Brown, okay, yeah. They're and like then the brown. next two was like uh, the three. Next ones are like Oriental, 
right? Light, that's a light blue. Vermont. That's Vermont. And uh, what's the other one? What do you got? What do you got? Uh, I don't know what the third one is. Uh, we skipped the railroad. Connecticut? Connecticut. Connecticut. Okay. There you go. All right. So now we, now we go now past we're jail. Now, now we go past We're just jail. visiting. We're just visiting. Right. We're not so in jail. So now we've got magenta and orange. Which one's first? Magenta. magenta. So that's uh, St. Charles Place. St. Charles Place. Uh, what else you got? What else you got? Oh, goodness. We can do this. We can do this. We can do this. St. Charles Place. Uh, I'm stuck. I don't know those other two. All right. So orange is like Tennessee Avenue. Tampa. And, uh, Tampa's not there. Yeah, it's, it's Tampa. Yeah, there's not a Tampa. There's not, not a Tampa. It's not. Guarantee is not a Tampa. All right. So go around the board. <laughs> now we're at the red, which is, I Illinois, have to go look now. which is Illinois, Indiana, and Kentucky is red. Yes. Then you go to yellow, and it's like Marvin Gardens, Atlantic Avenue, and something else. Pac- and then, uh, no, Pacific is Pacific green. is the green. Pacific is Pacific, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania Avenue. Yes. And then the blue are uh, Boardwalk and Park Place. So yes. now look it up and find out what the orange and the, and the uh, or the magenta and the, uh, and the orange are. While I'm looking that up, what are the four railroads? Go. Uh, B&O, uh, Short Round. Fine. Short line, uh, short round is Indiana Jones. <laughs> oh, you cheat, Dr. Jones, you cheat. You cheat by looking Indeed. on the internet to find out about the properties of Monopoly. Um, uh, oh, man, B, uh, B&O, short line, uh, Reading Railroad. What Reading, was yep. Reading, what was the other one? Uh, I, I was, there's look, the I was looking utilities, up the... There's the electric company and the waterworks, and then there's free parking, and then there's community chest and chance. I'm trying to stall for you while you look this up. <laughs> So it's States can, Avenue. Can, oh, States Avenue. Yes, yes, yes. That's the uh, magenta, right? Yes, it's the magenta one. There's St. Charles Place. States. And I'm looking through the other ones here. Orange is Tennessee. Is there New York Avenue in orange? I think there is. Uh, Baltic. Baltic is the first two. That's the first. Baltic and Mediterranean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ventnor is one. That's the green one, isn't it? No, that's in yellow. So it's Ventnor, Marvard Gardens, and or I said Vermont, but I meant to say Ventnor. They're just giving me the alphabetical list here. They're not giving me the, the actual... Wow, we are failing miserably. Oh, God, here. And I can horrible. I can hear our listeners being like, Come on, you know this one. You know you know this one. Come on, come on, come on. I'm even using the internet so yeah. it's not coming you up. You just you just landed on luxury tax. You gotta pay seventy five percent, you jerk. Oh, there's a board. Okay. All right. We're, we might be saved here. Okay, what do you got? Uh St. Charles Place, States Avenue. States Avenue. And Virginia Avenue. Virginia Avenue. I never yes. remember Virginia. Now, Orange is, what did we say? It was, it was, uh, St. James, St. J- Tennessee, St. James, and Tennessee. New York Avenue. New York Avenue, we got to, so we didn't yeah. get St. James. All right. Yeah. So, and then the yellows? Uh, the yellows are Atlantic. Right. Bentner. Mar- and Marvin Gardens. And Marvin Gardens. And then the, the, or, like we said, the green were Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and Pacific? Yes. And then we're good. Okay. And we're done. All right. Uh, the blues were Connecticut, Vermont, and Oriental. Oriental. Yep. Yep. We did say those. We did it. So the four railroads, Reading Railroad, Pennsylvania Railroad, ah, B&O, and short, line. and short Line. But not Short Round. Not Short Round. No, not to Jones. And we did it. We got all the way through Monopoly. Can you believe it took us that long? We beat the game. We did pretty good, though, for memory, right? That's, that's, that's pretty good. It's, uh, it's not really good. I've been playing the shit out of it on PlayStation. <laughs> I should know a lot more than that. All right, guys. Uh, we would love to hear what you think. If uh, we really want to know what board games you guys are into, are you playing them at tabletop? Or are you playing them digitally? Do you play them with friends? Are these solo games? Right. I play a lot of Monopoly solo, just with the AI and the computer. Right. Are there card games you play? Are yeah. there other things that we don't know about? Because we love games and we want to play them. Yeah, I want to play every game you guys can come up with. So come leave us a note on the the Facebook post. Let us know what uh, what kind of games you guys are thinking. Also, if you like this episode and any other episodes, leave us a review on the iTunes store. We've got a few of those rolling in. We're going to do a special feedback uh, reading here in a, little, in a few episodes just to gather all of that up and say thank you to you guys. So leave us a review. 
continue. Let us know what you think. Love to hear your feedback. And that's pretty much it for this week. I'm Andy Nelson. You can find me on at AndyNelson76 on Twitter. And I'm Nick Howell. You can find me at DatacenterDude over on Twitter. And we will see you guys next week. Later. Bye. This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.